and we give thanks to God for all of that. Just a few comments to make just before I share the ministry with us um, this, this morning. Um, just a very big thank you to all those people who make Arena Church happen. I know there's number of, numbers of people who aren't here today for whatever reason, but um, there's a phrase, it takes a team, and it's true in Arena. It's part of who we are. We need to do more on that. More on that. But the reality is, if we was looking at highlights that was then uh, dictated by the, the capacity of, of, of Phil and myself, there, there wouldn't even be uh, you know, half of, of what you've just seen there on that screen, because we're limited. I, I said we're limited. We're limited. That's why we need one another. There are people who are more gifted in areas than I am, and that's why I need you. And um, it does take a team. So we want to say thank you. I wrote down here, there are people who serve magnificently, I feel like uh, Phil Pinell, commit willingly, give generously, and pray fervently. And Arena could not function without you, and I sincerely mean that. Serve magnificently, commit willingly, give generously, and pray fervently. And Arena could not function without you. So we want to just take a moment to, as we've done with the 2012 highlights, thanks for putting the video together, guys. It's a significant thing that we must do. They used to do it in the Old Testament. They would, they would take time to remember, and we sometimes move on so quickly, don't we? And we forget. And the one who we need to thank above everybody else is the name Jesus, because he makes it all possible and gives us the strength and the ability to do it. So that's absolutely fantastic. Next week, we're going to be looking at our vision um, direction for, for the coming year and beyond. And uh, really, if I had to sum it up, it what, it's what gets us out of bed. So next week, I'm going to be talking about what gets us out of bed, and it's going to be on a video. And, um, and uh, so that will be interesting, a bit different. And uh, it will give us the opportunity to understand Arena Church more. And I encourage you to come along and I encourage to bring people with you as well. If they're wondering what on earth is all this Arena Church all about, we'll get them along next week because they'll have a great opportunity to find out. But this week, I just wanted to, as a, as a precursor, as a lead up to, to next week, because next week, as I said, we're looking at vision, particularly corporate vision of the life of Arena Church. But I thought for a few moments, I'd just address the whole thing to do with individual personal vision. Because I've realized more and more that more people have no vision, they just exist. I'll say that again. I've realized more and more that people, more people have no vision. They just exist. I'm not talking about uh, unchurched people. I'm not talking about unsaved people. I'm talking about Christian people. Christian people without any, any clear sense of a vision. And 18 months ago, I took the opportunity to introduce a thought around some of our, our, our cultural values. And one of those being was, an aspira was aspirational. We want to create an aspirational community. We're not talking about ambition. We're talking about aspiration to believe God for more than we're presently living in. Amen? And Because if we don't, then all we become is settlers. We're not, we're not pilgrims. But God has called us to be pilgrims and pioneers, not settlers. And if you remember, I brought uh, Chris and Chris's uh, grandson, Elliot. He was in the basket, and I shoved him in there, and it fitted really well. And, uh, and then I just dropped the lid on him, and you all went, ah, but I quite enjoyed doing that. I felt like the wicked, ha, 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 kind of, you know. And that's what we did. Well, in a moment, we're going to come back to that, that whole thought, because I really do believe that if we are going to have a personal sense of, 
of, of personal vision, we've got to remove all limitations. And it's run through the course of the service without Julie and the team knowing anything of what I was going to share. It's just run through the course of the meeting, which is wonderful. But I wonder if you'd just turn in your Bibles, first of all, with me to Psalm 121. I want to read the, uh, the, the whole psalm. It's only uh, eight verses long. And I'm going to read it from the, the, um, the contemporary English version. But you can, for the media guys, if they want to put it on the screen with NIV, then that's absolutely fine. And just while you find yourself there, great. Okay. So it reads, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where will I find help? It will come from the Lord, who created heaven and earth. The Lord is your protector, and he won't go to sleep or let you stumble. The protector of Israel doesn't doze or ever get drowsy. The Lord is your protector, there at your right side to shade you from the sun. You won't be harmed by the sun during the day or by the moon at night. The Lord will protect you and keep you safe from all dangers. The Lord will protect you now. And always, wherever you go. What a wonderful psalm for people this morning who are wondering if God is with them, who are uh, venturing out into uncharted territory, who have a little bit of nervousness about what their life consists of. This is a great promise from God this morning for you. And if you get nothing else from this meeting, I would just love you to write down Psalm 121 and go and read it again. Because it's God's word and it will create faith and it will speak to you this morning. But for other people who will get a little bit more from it, some people call it, it's a pilgrim's song. This psalm is written by a pilgrim. And particularly, I just want to focus on the first few lines of this psalm. It says there, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills. If I was going to title this anything, it would be lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Back in 2009, Disney, Pixar, created a movie. It was called Up. Has anybody ever seen it? Give me a wave if you have this morning. There are many people who've seen it. If you've never seen the movie Up, then I'd encourage you to go and get it on through Netflix or just on, I was going to say Blockbuster, but that's a little bit dodgy at the moment because there aren't as many around. But wherever you need to get it from, then I'd encourage you to go and get the movie up. If I can just describe it to you, I watched it this morning, just the opening scene. I've got it downstairs in my office, but what I didn't want to do was wreck the meeting, and it will wreck you the first opening four minutes. will absolutely wreck you. That's why I didn't show it this morning. It's a Disney film. It's not that there's anything graphic, there's no bad language, there's no, nothing of uh, sexual explicit content, there's nothing like that at all. But it will wreck you. I was brought to tears again as I, as I just watched it this morning. Because he describes a young couple who had the spirit of adventure in them. And they fell madly in love. And they did it properly because then they got married. And they built a house. And they built this house. And they got on with their lives. The unfortunate thing that he describes in the first four minutes is how they had a child and then lost a child. And now the movie continues on. And at the very start of their lives together, they determined that they were going to create a fund. And this fund was going to get them to South America. They wanted to go and visit the the, the wilds of, of, of South America. Not South Africa, of South America. But through the course of their lives together, and they were still madly in love at the end of their lives together, 
But through a puncture on the, on the tire, through a tree that falls through their roof, through things that happen, the fund kept getting broken into. And then the man looks round one day at his aged wife as she's just dusting the house and they realize that they have not done the very thing that they set out to do. And the unfortunate thing is, he went and bought a ticket for this woman. I'm t- I'm, he's still worthy of the story. You need to just still go and get it. But unfortunately, they were never able to get to South America because before they was going to go, his wife passed away. Completely wreck you. I, I was in bits this morning as I just watched it this morning. It's Disney. I'm thinking, pull yourself together, Thor. What's up with you? I was wrecked. Because the reality is, A lot of people live their lives like that. It's what they're going to do. The worst thing about that is, actually, a lot of people, as I've already said, don't even have a sense of what they're going to do. They don't even know what they're here to do. So I want to speak for this morning just around that whole thought of lifting up your eyes and living with a sense of vision. It's not going to be complicated this morning. But it may be challenging. Uh, Hopefully it won't be too long. I know they're the fatal words. Because it doesn't need to be. Because I just need to nail it. And then we just need to pray. And just let God just just do what he needs to do in us. The other thing I need to say is. I'm not talking about you now going with madness. And saying right we're leaving church. We're all leaving and we're all going to go and do what we're. I'm not talking like that. You understand that don't you? But what I do want to encourage you and me, it's never, because we can cast vision corporately and there's lots of vision. I'm talking about personally now. With God at the center of it all. God at the center of it all. You see, people live with no purpose, no direction. And you're right, Leone, that verse, John 10, 10. I've come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. And because people have no sense of vision, they live lifeless lives. Which seems an absolute contradiction, doesn't it? How can you live a lifeless life? But they do. You might be here this morning and this just epitomizes your life. You have no sense of vision. You have no sense of aspiration. You just exist. You live within the containment of a self-imposed life. Let me ask you a question. Who said this is it? Who said? Did you say it? Did somebody put it on you? Did somebody speak over you that this is it? Because I want to tell you, I'm thankful for where I am positioned at this particular moment. But if this is it, if this is it, then what is life really all about? And I want to tell you, I'm not working from a position that I'm disappointed or frustrated or unhappy with my lot in life. Because I'm not. But you understand my thought. If this is it, then what are the next few years of my life? Am I just coasting through this life? Is this what Jesus asked us to do? It saved me. It filled me with the Holy Spirit. It gave me a call on my life. And I'd see something of God. But then that's it. It's not for any of us. God wants to do something in all of our lives. The problem is that many of us take a back seat upon our lives. And we live with no vision. 
Let me just give you some reasons why people live with no vision. Because people, some people walk around blindfolded. Their lives are just blindfolded. Other people have had life experience and, and, they've, and they've been battered and bruised, which has almost sucked the squash ball again. It's just sucked the life out of them. Some people have lived with constant put-downs. What are you thinking about this? I was sharing in, in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. There was a statement. It certainly didn't come from my parents. My parents never ever spoke this over me. But I know it's been spoken over me uh, on, on, on when I was in my formative teenage years. And the statement was, don't get above your station. Question. Who dictates where the station is? Where is this station? What is this station all about? I understand what they were saying. And actually it comes out of the upper classes who would say to the lower classes, don't get above your station. You understand? I want to say that that is a completely ungodly statement. I'm not talking about me wanting to be rich and famous and be down on people. I'm not, but come on. There's a sense in which we want to rise for all that God has got for us. Constant put-downs. You might have lived with that. A constant put-down. You may have tried. And failed. And so you've made a decision never to try again. Oh, there's been numbers of times when I've tried something. And it's failed in... Oh, my goodness. It was on News at 10. Everybody knew about it. And I could have easily have said, I'm not going again. That's it. I've had enough. I'm just going to settle. But I tell you. I'm determined to keep moving forward. But some people, they don't go again. Other people recognize that actually this vision is going to demand something of them. And because they're too lazy, they're just going to remain where they are. And then others are not prepared to take the leap. You're not prepared to take the gulp. These, are me- these reasons and many other reasons are why people live without any vision. And people who live without any vision... Live within a self-imposed containment. They become small. They live small. And they're kept small. They really are. I'm just trying to look here now. Kev Olbish, you're going to have to come and help me. You're the smallest one that I can see. It was a toss-up between you and Josh. But because Josh is married, I thought I'll give him a break. But come on, Kev. Just come and help me. Because I want this to be graphic in that. Jump in. Okay. It's interesting how he's laughing and smiling because that's how most people do it. We literally go into boxes like this. It's not like this, but we're still living in one. We're still living in one. Yeah? I need to say another thing. I don't know why I've been quickened. I'm not talking about changing your husband or your wife. I'm not joking here. That isn't going to change your life. That isn't going to change your life. I don't know why I felt quickened just to say that. It's nothing to do with that. I'm talking about people who just place themselves in containments through the reasons that I've said, which I don't need to go over. And we willingly put ourselves in there. And let's not get even all spiritual here. Although there is a spiritual dimension because actually the enemy, Satan, loves boxes. He loves boxes. He loves to place people 
in boxes. But I also want to say sometimes he doesn't even need to do anything because we place ourselves there. Hello? We place ourselves there. Because we, we believe the put-downs. We believe that actually we've tried and failed and so we're never going to try again. And all those things, we just believe it, hook, line, and sinker. Just watch your, your, your groovy hairstyle, Kev. Mate, are you losing your hair a little bit? Sorry, guys. You, if you first time here, I am lovely. Honestly, I really am lovely. I really am. They know me well, and I absolutely love this boy in this box. I really do love him. I will let him out at some point. You see, what happens here? Thanks, Kev. Just remain there for a minute. One more time, okay? You see, it doesn't even just go in a box. It just it, we just the lids placed on. As you've seen this before, but I want to keep laying this in periodically throughout Arena Church because it's who we are. And we place ourselves in there. What's fascinating is that we become, we, we become okay with the conditions. You see, you put me in there. Now you can have your own back. I mean, I'd barely fit in there for, for starters. It'd be so uncomfortable. But it's interesting what initially is uncomfortable then becomes comfortable. And people have become very uncomfortable in these environments, but then over time, it becomes comfortable, and then we never want to get out of the box because we become comfortable with our environments. And I am now making you feel uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Some people. Because God doesn't want us to live in a box. He wants us to lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Kev, now you can jump out and you can take a rapturous applause. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, probably the most famous verse around vision, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Not only does a box keep us small, living without a vision keep us small, not only does the uncomfortable become comfortable, but actually, people who live without vision ultimately become undisciplined and unruly. Undisciplined and unruly. This isn't me having to go at young people, because I absolutely love young people. I really do. And these guys know I really do love young people. And um, I feel like I could break out into a song now. I believe the children are... No, well, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> But what I do notice is in the United Kingdom, because I can't comment on other cultures, is that there's a generation that is completely undisciplined and unruly, and it's because they have no vision. They have no vision. And it's our job to start speaking vision. It's our job to keep addressing, because many of them are 10, 11, 12, and they're already in, in boxes. They're already in here. They're already in. We were speaking this morning that God comes to give us freedom. We need to speak freedom for these walls to come down in Jesus' name over young people around this area. But the thing is, people without vision become unruly. Let me move on quickly. Because God has given us, he doesn't want us to live here. He wants us to live 
a God-given, God-ordained life. Listen, that he is prepared for you. Do you actually believe that? Do you believe that God has a life and it's God-ordained and it's prepared for you? Because you need to answer that question. I, let, me just talk, let me just talk with you this morning if I can. When, when, I, when I became a Christian at the age of 11, okay, I, 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 and, and there was that period through teenage years which is very uncomfortable for many people and certainly uncomfortable with me. I, I, there's a sense that I had a real experience of God, but I just wanted to try and straddle both worlds. You understand that? It never works. You end up splitting your trousers. It's horrible. It's the most uncomfortable place ever to live, trying to straddle two places. But that's where I lived. But I don't know what happened... It, Probably 16, 17, 18. I don't know. But certainly around that time. I knew. I knew that God hadn't just saved me for heaven. But he'd saved me for a purpose. And that's why I asked the question. Because I think most people or a lot of people, a lot of even Christian people, understand that God has saved them. And that is wonderful and it's marvelous. And we, we sit at the foot of the cross and we just bask in his grace over our lives. And we know that if we was to die, we would be in the presence of God. And I'm not underestimating that. And I think that's wonderful. But we miss it if we think that is just it. Because actually God has saved us for a purpose. There's a purpose for which God has saved us. And it's a God-ordained life to be lived, full of vision and full of direction, full of purpose. And therefore, if that is true and we all say yes to that, then we need to throw off the entanglements. We need to throw off the entanglements so that it will keep us small. I want to just share with you and just now for the last few minutes, just talk about Habakkuk in chapter 2, if I may. If it is, again, if we can get it on the screen, that would be great. And Habakkuk and chapter 2. Because for the last few minutes, I just want to help us to understand what we need to do with a sense of vision. I've already mentioned that we can be in boxes. I've already mentioned that the reasons why we, we can place ourselves there or we're placed there. But there's, there's a solution if we feel we're in a box. And Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, verse 2. Then the Lord told me, I will give you my message in the form of a vision. Write it clearly enough to be read at a glance. At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. I want to read that again. I know it's the NIV that's on the screen. Then the Lord told me, I will give you my message in the form of a vision. Write it clearly enough to be read at a glance. At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. There's a number of things I want to say about this. First of all, in verse 1, it talks about Habakkuk seeking of the Lord. The first thing we must do is seek the vision. We need to seek the vision. Let me apply this to you personally. 
If you feel like you have no sense of vision and no sense of direction, you might be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and no sense of clear vision. And I want to say, it doesn't matter what age you are, God's got a plan and a vision for your life. You might feel like you've written yourself off, God hasn't. There's still a good God-ordained life for you to live. But you need to seek the vision. Let me just apply this dead practically. That means to say that we just need to ask God, God, just in those times of simple prayer, just in those times of just meditation upon God, those times when we just open the Bible and say, God, will you just begin to speak to me? Just begin to show me what you want to do with my life. Some of you have children. Some of you are married. Some of you have a business. Some of you have whatever. God, with all that I've got here, I just want you to be the center. I want you to just begin to give me some clarity because I want to seek the vision for my life. God will begin to drop words into you. It may be, I want you to go to Africa once a year. I want you to set up an orphanage. I want you to get involved in Arena Community. I want you to be a catalyst to help other older people around this community. I want you to set up this. I want you to do that. Are you hearing me? God will just begin to speak to you. He will. If our ears are open and our hearts are open, God will just begin to speak to us. But we need to, first of all, seek the vision. The second thing then we need to do is see the vision. And see the vision is writing it down. We need to see the vision. So we seek it and we begin to see it. And the third thing is then we begin to speak the vision. I'm not talking about bragging rights. I'm talking about you go and talk that through with somebody. So if God begins to say something significant to you, I'm not talking about control here, but I would encourage you to go and speak to another leader in the life of this church. There are times when I felt God say to me, it hasn't been God at all. It literally has that I've just ate too much cheese. It's just been complete harebrained. And then there's other times when it's felt like I've ate too much cheese, but as I've spoken through with somebody else, somebody else says to me, I think that's the word of the Lord to you. Really? <laughs> Do you really? Speak the vision. Go and talk this thing through and go and talk to the right people. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Don't go and talk to a Sambala and Tobiah. They'll completely discourage you and distract you and throw you off course. Go and talk to a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Go and talk to somebody who's going to speak God's word into your heart. So we need to seek the vision, see the vision and speak the vision. What does this mean? Well, let me try and lay it down even more practically. Ask God what he would like to do with your life. God, what do you want to do with my life? If I can say this, it's no good Arena Church just having a compelling vision. And we have, and we want to communicate that, and we want to cast that, and we want to keep moving forward in it. We really do. But I want to see a group of people, because this is discipleship stuff, this is. This is D1. This is the discipleship of one. God, what do you want to do with my life? If my life is that I'm going to be working in a shop for the rest of my days, that's wonderful, but I'm going to be the best shop person ever, and I'm, I'm just going to believe you to do something great in my life. You don't have to do, go and do something crazy to say, well, I'm going to live out a vision. Are you hearing me? So I'm looking at Rob now. He's a police officer. I know there's other things in his heart, but we're not asking you, Rob, to say, that's it. I'm jacking the police force. I've had enough of them. You know, but God, this is where I am. What do I want to do with my life here? Just begin to seek the vision for God as I'm in this police force, as I'm in this factory, as I'm in this neighborhood, as I'm in this school. What do you want to do with my life? Even for me, as I'm one of the pastors here in this church, God, what do you want to do with my life as I have to serve these people? 
There's no good me saying to you I've had a personal vision and I haven't. Question number two, or statement number two. Then write down what he, tell, what he tells you. Write what he tells you down. This is from Habakkuk, because I'm really just laying it even simple enough so you can really understand it. So when you begin to get it, write it down. And Habakkuk says, write it clearly enough to be read at a glance or on the run. I don't know whether you've ever tried to read a map in the car. Oh, it's all there, is it? Did you see the look? It was sunshine. It's all there. (laughs) I have. It is reported now that most people text and email while they're driving the car. I'm not going to ask people to own up if you do those sort of things because there'll be a lot of significant leaders around the life of the church who will have to honestly put their hand up. But the thought is from Habakkuk is, write it down so you can read it at a glance on the run. It's simple to understand. That's the point. Let me get to the point. It's simple to understand. This vision that God will give you is simple to understand. Then what do you need to do? Well, once you've written it down and you've got it from God... You need to then walk with God and move forward. So God, this is how it works out. Andy, just jump up. This is how it works through. You're God. Okay. This morning, God, I've woke up this morning, God, I want to please you. And God says, I know you do, son. So let's just walk forward. Okay. We just walk forward. You begin to direct me. So I want to go this way. And Andy wants to go, well, God wants to go, not Andy. He wants to take me this way. And then it's this way. You understand what I'm, you you get the picture. We're just walking. And what are we doing? We're moving forward. We might stop for a moment because God says, you've got to learn something here, son. Really? Have I? Yeah. And we're going to have to linger here for quite a while. Because there's issues that I need to sort out in you that are going to be detrimental to you if I take you to where I want to be. Is that speaking to anybody here this morning? Speaks to me. Really? Yeah, okay. So we're going to have to linger for a moment. Okay. So I've learned what I've needed to learn, God. Yeah, you've learned what you need. Okay, we can move forward again. Do you get the thing? This is how vision works. Thanks, God. Thanks, Andy. I'm joking. That was a joke, guys. Okay. Just, just tell me why, if he says. Yeah. You got the look. And it wasn't of love, let me tell you. We need to write it down. And then with God, we need to walk with God. And we need to move forward. And lastly, I believe with personal vision, is we then from Habakkuk, it says this. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time. It may. It doesn't say it will. It may. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. So the fourth thing that I get from here is we need to wait patiently in hope. Hope is a strong and confident expectation. (laughs) So we're waiting in hope. We're looking to the Lord. We're walking with God. We're moving forward. We're very clear on what God says to us because we've heard from God. And this is how a personal vision begins to develop. You hear Jesus is in the center of it all. 
I'm not talking about some airbrain, well, I'm going to make a million pounds and it's all going to be for me so I can go and buy a villa in Spain and I can go and buy this car and I can go and do that and to the church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a vision that is planted around church but it's personal. Am I making myself clear that it's just personal but it's just about Jesus? Now, for some of you, this is going to be a big gulp because this stuff, you've heard us talk about it but you're like... Oh, Christian, this just does my head in because I just feel I've got no sense of direction, no sense of purpose. I can't be any clearer than what I've said this morning, how you go about it. Spend time with Jesus. Begin to ask him, what has he got for your life? And as he begins to speak to you, begin to write it down. Share it with other people who are good people who are going to help you to just get a grasp on it. And then begin to walk with God moving forward waiting patiently in hope, and God will begin to do it. These principles don't just apply personally. They also apply corporately. We're in hope next week we're going to be sharing about some of the exciting things we've got in our hearts. Are they going to happen next week? Maybe. Possibly not. But we're going to wait patiently and keep moving forward with God at the center of it all. I wonder if we'd bow our heads. It's good to gather. It's good to gather around the table.